Did you remember thinking to yourself when you were young, man, my family is just crazy, and you couldn't wait to get out. You thought, this is it. This is time for a do-over. Now that you're in your adult life, those adult years, you say to yourself, I can choose the people I want to hang out with. I can choose to create the family that I want. And all of that is actually true. But perhaps that didn't work out that way for you. Maybe instead of escaping the dysfunction that you experienced as a child, you actually recreated it in your adult life. Why is that? You make that separation, the family estrangement. And I'm not talking about the healthy separation, right? When a man shall leave his mother and a woman leave her home and the two become one, that unique, beautiful bond in marriage where, yes, there has to be this healthy separation. I mean, the separation that you choose to make because you say, gosh, my family is just so darn dysfunctional. And so you cut yourself off or maybe you have been cut off. So how does that affect you? Well, believe it or not, you may be experiencing or responding to that estrangement with trauma, trauma responses that might look like unhealthy people-pleasing. You might be experiencing or suffer from post-traumatic symptoms such as emotional flashbacks or hypervigilance, or you feel terrible about yourself now, and you're not really sure exactly why. But the truth is sometimes that a family estrangement That sibling estrangement is what sets you up for a lifetime of dysfunctional relationships unless you actually understand where this estrangement comes from and what it's done to you so that you can make different decisions now. It's not enough to just say, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with the craziness. Now I'm going to live differently. Okay, but are you really set up? Do you really believe you can live differently? Are you really making the decisions so that your life can look over or do over? See, estrangement, it's not just about one time. Oh, that's it. I'm done with you. You're a crazy family. I'm gone. My siblings are all crazy. And maybe they really are. Maybe they actually really hurt you in significant ways. But the estrangement isn't just about that choice. I'm done with you and it's over. That could be a good decision that you make to say, you know what, I don't need this dysfunction. I don't need this abuse. And so you're choosing to separate. But the potential psychological landmines that result from a childhood of dysfunction can create chaos in your life. Now, I think it's interesting because Jesus right? Your faith as a Christian. He actually really calls you out from your family. But those family members who are choosing to separate you from him, from his love, he said, like, mark my words, Mark chapter 10. He said, mark my words. No one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of the message will lose out. He said, they'll get it all back. You can get it all back and multiplied many times and homes, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children. It'll all come back multiplied many times over in your lifetime, and then the bonus of eternal life. So sometimes estrangement, if people in your family, your family of origin, are trying to keep you from living a godly, holy, good life, you have to say, you know what? Yeah, I choose God over you. And for some people, that might sound really difficult. Oh, wow, Joe, are you talking about the breakup of the family? 
<laughs> no, I'm actually talking to you to be, become that member of your godly family, your eternal family. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to estrange yourself from your family, from your brothers and sisters, your family of origin. But sometimes it just happens. And so the focus of this podcast today is for you to recognize how that estrangement, if it happened, even if it happened for good reason. Maybe you were abused by a brother or sister and you said, that's it, I'm done. This, this relationship isn't healthy, it's not good, they haven't changed. I'm not interested in reconciling this relationship. Okay, topic for a different discussion. But now, I think the focus should be on how do you move forward in your life? Because whether you the one were the one who chose to be estranged or you were estranged because somebody else cut you off, you could be experiencing post-traumatic symptoms right now, according to studies. You could be experiencing flashbacks and hypervigilance and anxiety and hypersensitivity. You might be experiencing a high level of shame and embarrassment. And if you feel all those things, if you're experiencing all those symptoms, how do they manifest themselves in your current relationships? It might begin to look a lot like those relationships of your childhood. So we don't just separate ourselves by saying, I'm done with you and now my new life. You actually understand, have to understand how that old life colors your new life. And again, sometimes that estrangement is a matter of survival, right? It's that only avenue to health and to happiness. But again, you've got to understand what it does for you because there might be a part of you that wants a do-over, and so you try to recreate that sense of belonging. It's like, oh, in this new relationship, if I can just make it work perfectly, that'll make up for all of the dysfunction of my childhood. But not so fast. It actually doesn't work like that. Because you might be choosing another dysfunctional person to engage in in your adult relationships. And yes, in fact, you're recreating those relationships of the past but are these current relationships actually going to create something healthy? Probably not. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, he said, be prepared. He said, you are up against far more than you can handle on your own. I think about that all the time. And to me, that's welcome news. <laughs> because some of my prayers are, help God, I'm drowning here. And he reminds me, yeah, Joe, you can't do this on your own. But I can help you. And when you're looking to create new healthy relationships in your adult life because you had such dysfunction or abuse as a childhood, you got to remember that this might be too much on your own. Maybe that means from a psychological perspective that you get professional help with a therapist. But never think that God is beyond wanting to help you actually restore your relationships, particularly your relationship with him. And he wants you to live in healthy relationships. And Paul says, take all the help that you can get. He said, you know, righteousness, peace, peace, faith. He said, these are more than words. Learn how to apply them because you're going to need them throughout your life. For you to really experience the separation from the dysfunction, you're going to need God's word. You're going to need this faith. You're going to need his love. He said, prayer is an essential weapon 
He said, pray long and hard. Pray for your brothers and sisters. He said, keep your spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Now, when Paul says, pray for your brothers and sisters, he's actually talking about your Christian community, of your fellow believers. And to me, this is evidence that the life that you can have can be so much more than what you had as a child. Now, it doesn't mean you don't pray for your brothers and sisters, your family of origin. It just means you have to really pray so that all of your relationships are infused with godly love. See, those early sibling relationships actually set the model for your future relationships. And what that means positively and negatively But if you cut off from a brother or sister, even if it's something that's absolutely necessary, it can be damaging. Because those early relationships that you enjoy or don't enjoy with siblings, they reinforce a lot of the social qualities of like tolerance and loyalty and love and laughter that you are going to experience hopefully in the future. And if they're positive as a child, there's more likely that they will be positive as an adult because you've had those relationships modeled in a good way. Some people say that your brothers and sisters were your first marriage partners. And that's not any in any sort of weird sense. It's like, wow, Joe, that sounds kind of incestuous. No, I, I don't mean that. But it's this modeling. It's like the, the love that you get from a father and a mother. You're learning how to address your relationships as an adult. But so too are those relationships that you have with your brothers and sisters. Because in those relationships, you learn toughness, but you learn compromise. You learn trust. You learn how to connect. And again, when you have to walk away from those relationships, those childhood relationships, your sibling relationships, even if it's for a good reason, there's part of you that says, wait a second, if I couldn't trust my own family, if I couldn't trust mom and dad, if I couldn't trust my brother and sister, then who can I trust? And so you experience this generalized reduction in trust. And if you can't trust, and you never learn to trust, what kind of relationship can you have as an adult if you can't trust? It's not going to be close. It's not going to be good. If you've had that shattered experience of trust. Now Luke chapter 8, and I don't want to misinterpret this. There's a lot of fantastic messages in this particular gospel story. But again, as you know, I like water stories. (laughs) So one day Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples. Ah, let's cross the lake. And off they go. And it was smooth sailing. And Jesus fell asleep. I love that. And then a terrific storm comes up (laughs) on the lake and water starts pouring into the boat. And the disciples are like, ah, we're going to capsize. And they wake Jesus up, master, master, we're going down. And he gets up on his feet and he tells the wind, silence. And the waves, quiet. 
and the lake, the water obeys. It becomes smooth as glass. And this is the interesting part. He says to his disciples, why can't you trust me? Now, I'm not going back. I'm not suggesting to you that, oh, they had bad relationships with their siblings. That's why they couldn't trust Jesus. I think they had a relationship with the world that was completely separate from the relationship that God wants to have with you. Their experience of the world was, we can't really trust people. But what God is saying is, no matter the storm of your life, you can trust me. Why can't you trust me? And I think that what this implies also is if you don't have that child experience of trust with your siblings, it might interfere with your capacity to trust God. Why can't you trust? If you go back and do the exploratory work and look at your own life, it's like, well, yeah, I really could never trust my brother or sister. Why? Because they hurt me. They lied to me. They abused me. They neglected me. They abandoned me. And now I can't trust people. I can't trust anybody. And what does that do now in your adult life? Maybe it makes you afraid to commit to any kind of long-term relationship. Because maybe there's a part of you that says, I don't need that again in my life. That was a horror story. And I don't want to go there. And I don't blame you. And yet I want to suggest that you don't have to go back there. You don't have to go back to the horror but you have to understand what that sibling estrangement did to your sense of self and trust. Now, maybe you say, oh boy, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. So you act in such a way that you think is not going to even hintly remote that that's possible. And so how do you act now as an adult? Maybe you engage in all kinds of people-pleasing behavior. Again, as a response to the trauma that you experience with these sibling estrangement. And so now you're looking for that reassurance. You're looking for that comfort in all of your adult relationships, but it just doesn't work. You might think, I will do anything to get along. But actually, that sense of anything, that kind of people-pleasing anything, creates an enmeshed dependence in those relationships. And you're always yielding, yes, whatever you want, honey, whatever it is. But is that really a healthy way to live? Well, I want to go back to what the Apostle Paul says when he was addressing the Galatians chapter 6. And he said, you know, for my part, I'm not going to boast about anything except for the cross of Jesus. (laughs) I love that. You could boast all you want. I'm going to boast about the suffering of of Jesus. But Paul says, because of that cross, I have been crucified in relationship or in relation to the world, set free from the stifling atmosphere of people-pleasing and fitting into the little patterns that other people dictate. See, God doesn't want you to just be a people-pleaser. That's not true love. That's not sacrificial giving. That's trying to make these people happy no matter what because you can't tolerate the separation from them. But again, go back to the gospel. Jesus said, hey, if you're not willing to deny these other people, then you're not worthy of me. 
And that people-pleasing, again, is just a trauma response. And you'll do anything to avoid the conflict, including changing your own behavior, setting aside what truly matters to you, your values. Because by all means, you have to feel like you're seen by somebody else. I just got to make them love me. I'll never forget a conversation that I had with somebody a year ago. And he said, I just longed for that, that, that love, that validation from my mom. And we had a long conversation. I said, your mom can't give that to you. Because she was so narcissistic, she was so consumed with herself, she could never look at you as separate from her, other than somebody who might be able to make her look good. And so he was caught in this pattern of trying to please his mother, saying, look at me, see me. But guess who looks at you? Guess who sees you? Guess who validates who you are, your sense of value and worth? God himself. So you can separate yourself from that need to people please, to try to create a better relationship that you, than you had at home. You've got to actually learn to see and identify who you are and what you, really va- what you really value. Because sometimes if you have that estranged relationship from childhood, you rush into a new relationship as an adult. It's like, oh, here's my opportunity to make it all right, to make it good. But what you find out is that person is also abusive or manipulative or exploitive, just like that family member of origin. See, again, you separate from the family, but you've got to look at, now what? What has happened to me? How do I discover who I truly am? It's a journey. And again, if you had a chaotic family life, you probably want some professional support of a therapist. But more than anything, you need that professional, that everlasting (laughs) connection with God, which supersedes, which transcends what any other human can give you. In Luke chapter 8, a wonderful story of healing. And this woman who has been, she had been hemorrhaging for years and years and nobody could cure her, nobody could help her. All the doctors took advantage of her, all the charlatans. And she said, oh, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Now, I don't know why that came to her. If I can just touch his robe, that was enough. She didn't need him to turn around and lay hands on her head or anything else. And she touched him. And Jesus felt that that power surge through him and the healing. And she became afraid. And Jesus said, Daughter, you took a risk trusting me. And now you're healed and whole. Live well. Live blessed. So you've got to take that chance, but don't misplace that trust. Give it to God who says, you took a chance, 
Maybe your family of origin taught you that it wasn't okay to trust and now you're having a hard time trusting me. But you can turn to the one who will never mislead you, who will never manipulate you, who will never harm you. Jesus talked to his disciples. And he said, so you finally believe me, huh? Now, you're going to make a run for it. You're going to save your own skins, and you're going to abandon me. But I'm not abandoned, he said. Why did Jesus feel not abandoned? Because he recognized that God was with him. And he said, I'm telling you this because trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured and deeply at peace. Yeah, in this godless world, you'll continue to experience difficulties. People will let you down. But take heart. I've conquered the world. I will meet you back on the road. Until then, always forward. <laughs>